Amen, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? All right. Well, I want to congratulate you guys. You're here at Second Service Memorial Day weekend on a beautiful day. You get, you get an extra gold star in heaven as far as I'm concerned. So good work by all of you. Uh, it's great to be with you guys today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is David. And my claim to fame around here really is just that I'm a son of this house. I love Elevation Church. I love our people, our ministries. That's right. It even means I love you if I just made it weird, I'm sorry, but it's true. If you're here, I love you. It is what it is. You can't change it. Um, but it really is so great to be with you guys here today. And I want to just take a moment to shout out my incredible wife, Brittany. She's not here today. She was at first service. But um, Brittany and I will celebrate our four-year anniversary this Thursday, which is amazing. Yes. I am just as surprised as you are that she stuck with me for this long. But she is an amazing woman and just really the best friend and partner I could have ever asked for. So I just love you, Brittany. And um, our daughter, who I showed a picture of two weeks ago when I talked, will turn seven months old next Sunday. So it's a big week for us. And I showed a picture of her a couple weeks ago, and I know to give the people what they want. And so we have another picture of Amelia to show you. That is our adorable daughter, Amelia May. Uh, she is just such a light and such a blessing. Uh, I just love her and Brittany so, so much. Ah, she's, they're just the best. Um, so we were lucky enough four years ago to have Pastor Daniel perform the ceremony for our wedding. And so I thought I'd show a picture of me and Pastor Daniel on that day. It's my favorite picture of me and Pastor Daniel, just both being goofballs waiting for people to come down the aisle. Uh, it's my favorite picture of me and Pastor because I think we look adorable and good in our suits and tuxes, but also because it's kind of how I live my life, just imagining that Pastor Daniel's always just over my shoulder, looking at whatever I'm doing and making sure I stay in line. Um, so I love you, Pastor Daniel. We love you and Pastor Gretchen and Svea and Caleb Evie just so, so much. Um, we're just so proud to be a part of this church and be a part of this family. And I'm not sure I've ever been as proud of you guys and of Elevation as I am now. Um, just everything you guys have been through over these last few years and just continue to serve and love our church and our community so well. And also just being willing to do a series like this where we talk about mental health, a topic that so many other churches and pastors are scared to talk about. So I'm just so proud of you guys and of Elevation. Will you guys join me in just giving some love, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Gretchen? <laughs> Woo! All right, well, we are in the third and final week of our series, The Struggle is Real, which is a mental health series specifically around depression, anxiety, and suicide. And today I thought I'd go a little bit behind the curtain because this is the first sermon series, uh, which has been really cool. It's been an incredible opportunity for me that I'm so grateful to pastor for. But if you would have asked me when we were working on this series what I thought would be the hardest part of it, I probably would have said, you know, maybe sharing my testimony or all the study and preparation that goes into it. What I would not have expected to be the hardest part was coming up with a series title. But that was the hardest part of the series. We obviously settled on The Struggle is Real, which I think is pretty good. But I'm not kidding when I say that Pastor Daniel and I probably threw around 30 to 40 different titles for this series, which is just insane. It's insane. I asked Pastor after we had settled on The Struggle is Real if that was the most he'd ever considered for a series. And he said pretty definitively that yes, it was. 
And I didn't have the courage to ask if that had to do more with the subject matter or with me being involved. Uh, I'm still not sure I want to know the answer, to be honest. But I thought I'd share uh, some of the alternative titles for this series. Um, and I'm not saying that all of these we were that close to going with, to be clear. But these were just some of the other options. Ooh, excuse me. Bleak, clinical, elephant in the room, stigma. Got to drink some water. Inside out. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. And then my favorite one, which came to us in a moment of desperation, when we couldn't come up with a title, I was so desperate that I just Google searched slang terms for depression. And a phrase, a combination of words came up that was so spectacular, so amazing, that it has truly changed my life forever. And that phrase, that slang term for depression is gloom lobster, gloom lobster. What does it mean? I don't really know. The internet won't tell you what it means, but it was on that page when I Googled it, and it is stuck in my heart forever. This series title for me, when I look back on it 20 years from now, I'm probably not going to remember the struggle is real. I'm going to remember it as Gloom Lobster. And the series verse for the struggle is real slash Gloom Lobster is Job 12, verse 22, where the Bible says, he uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings light to the deepest gloom. And I love this verse because it just talks about some of the things that God does, right? That he brings the things that are in the darkness into the light, and that he brings light to our deepest gloom, to our deepest depressions. And in the first week of this series, um, I really just told my testimony. I talked about my struggles with mental health, specifically around depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts. And one specific depressive episode I had that led to me being hospitalized for treatment in those areas. And it was there in the hospital that kind of against all odds, God began to turn things around for me. And it wasn't because I had the best experience with the medical professionals there. It wasn't that God, you know, healed me instantaneously. It wasn't that he spoke some word to me that changed the course of my life forever. But it was simply that for the first time in a long time, I was safe. Safe physically, yes, but also safe mentally and emotionally. Because the thing is, when you're struggling with your mental health, when kind of those waves of your emotions and your thoughts are crashing around you, when you're in that storm, it's so hard to hear from God. Not because he's not talking, not because he's not with you, but because it's just so hard to hear him when you're just trying to survive. And so as Christians, we have to do our best, even though it can be so hard, to find safe places so that we can be with the Lord and that he can just love on us, which is what we so desperately need in those times. And then last week, Pastor Daniel shared what I thought was a really incredible message centered around the lies that the enemy tells us as Christians, and particularly Christians who are struggling with mental health. Lies that are sometimes even bandied about from Christian to Christian or in church. And one of the things specifically that he talked about was that it is possible to be medicated and holy, right? And I just love that series so much. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to both of those weeks. But before we get in to our main topic of today, I have a little bit of a correction or an elaboration that I need to do on something I said back in week one. So back in week one, when I was sharing my testimony, I talked about how when I fell into that severe depressive episode that landed me in the hospital, 
I was seemingly doing all the right things. I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was worshiping, I was serving, I was giving, I was doing all of those things, but yet I still fell into a depressive episode and it got worse and worse. And I had someone come up to me after service when my friend said, oh, I'm glad I don't have to worry about reading the Bible anymore if I'm just gonna end up depressed. And they were joking, I think, I'm pretty sure they were, but even if they were joking or not, I felt like I needed to revisit this topic a little bit today. Go on record here on stage and say, I believe in spiritual disciplines. I am pro reading your Bible and praying. Everybody needs to be doing those things, regardless of if you're struggling or not. And in fact, um, so it's important no matter what, but I think it can have a little bit of a slingshot effect. At least that's what I experienced that even though I was struggling so heavily, that I was kind of at the end of myself with my mental health, that because I was still able to the best of my abilities to stay in a good place with God, to stay reading my Bible and doing those things, that even though I was getting pulled kind of deeper and deeper into my darkness and my depression, that once God began to turn things around for me, it was kind of like I was shot out of a slingshot or out of a cannon right, that just my growth, my spiritual growth accelerated really fast, and sort of God just bringing things into my life that I had desired or that I needed just happen all really quickly. And there's no better example of that for me than my wife, Brittany. So I went in and got out of the hospital in December of 2016. And in January of 2017, basically a month after I got out of the hospital, I was set up on what was essentially a blind date with my wife, Brittany. And now, if someone came to me and told me, you know, that they had just got out of the hospital a month ago for treatment with mental health, and they were thinking about seeing someone, and did I think that was a good idea, I would say no, right? That's not a recommended uh, path or behavior, but I didn't listen to that. I went out with Brittany and ended up meeting the woman that I was going to marry. And I think that that was part of God's plan for my life because I was in a good place with him. Once I kind of had come out of that darkness and that depression, there were less pieces that had to be put back together again. And he's just put Brittany in my life. I mean, certainly uh, part of his plan and his purpose for my life because Brittany is the best antidepressant I've ever had. Um, she is just the best thing for me and that was all part of God's plan. Um, but I don't think that would have been possible in that timing without trying to still have those spiritual disciplines on lock even when I was struggling. So for the record, spiritual disciplines are important, but they don't necessarily protect you from struggles with your mental health, right? Depression is not a result of not loving God enough, right? You can love God with all that you are and still struggle with your mental health. So that's my correction and omission from two weeks ago. I hope you guys will forgive me. Um, but as we kind of get into our main topic for today, it's really pretty simple. It's what I wish I would have known. If I had known these things kind of before I was struggling with mental health, while I was struggling, or in the ups and downs of life afterward, I think it would have saved me a good deal of pain, of heartbreak, of suffering. It wouldn't have taken me as long to get to where God was trying to get me if I had known some of these things. So the first thing I wish I would have known is that mental health affects everything. And this might seem kind of basic, but kind of in the church culture in the time that I was growing up, mental health wasn't really talked about at all. Or if it was, it was talked about in a way 
that it was kind of something that you could um, you could segment off, right? You could just quarantine it, and it wouldn't affect the rest of your life. But I think if you've ever struggled, you know that that's just not true. But that's the way it was talked about. And so the way I thought about it when I started struggling was that I should just be able to keep my depression, my anxiety over here and live the rest of my life, right? It shouldn't seep into my relationships or my work, or my church family. But the truth is that it affects everything. It affects every decision that we make. And the Bible talks about this, you know, in Proverbs 23, verse 7, in the New King James Version of the Bible, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then Romans 12, verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But the Bible tells us that how we think, that's how we are, and how we're transformed into who God's trying to make us into is by our thought life, right? Our mind, our mental capacity, our mental health is the thing that decides how we end up doing and what God's calling us to. And so, of course, mental health affects everything. It affects every decision you make, every single part of your life. And I think if I would have known that, it wouldn't have taken me so long to get help, right? I would have been more willing to realize kind of what was at stake in my life, that it wasn't just some small thing that would go away on its own, but it was really, really important. And the other way that mental health affects everything that I wish I had known is that there are other real physical consequences to struggling with your mental health. Did you know that people who struggle with severe depression are more likely to experience a heart attack or a stroke? And if they struggle with those things and have a heart attack or stroke, it's more likely to be fatal. And that if you struggle in those areas, you can experience short-term and long-term memory loss which is something that I've had happen to me, where those times in my life where I've been in depressive episodes are a little bit of a black hole in my memory, which is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing that I don't vividly remember a lot of that pain in that time, but as I prepare to talk today or try to help people, I really am super reliant on the Lord bringing things back to my memory, because if I try to find it on my own, it's just not there. And I think if we all had a friend or a loved one who was talking to us about something that was going on in their body, that they were not having it treated, and by doing so, they were increasing their risk of heart attack, stroke, or memory loss, that we would be like, what are you doing, right? Like, go to the doctor. Like, I will drive you to the doctor myself. What is the phone number of your primary physician? Like, I will call them and make you an appointment and pick you up and drive you there. But because it's mental health, because we think it's just in our head, we don't take it that seriously. But mental health affects everything. And by not getting help, you could be taking really serious risks, not just to the overall quality of your life and what God's calling you to, but to your very physical health that could end up costing you everything. So I wish I had known that mental health affects everything. The second thing I wish I would have known is that the people in your life the people you need in your life will still be there. I think the number one thing that stopped me from getting help when I knew I had a problem, when I knew I was struggling, was worrying about what the people around me would think, how it would affect my relationships with my friends, with my family, with my church family. I was so worried that I would kind of lose everything, right? That I would be ostracized, that people would think that there was some other big, deep, dark secret or something that was wrong with me because I was struggling in these areas. And so I didn't get help. I didn't talk to people about it for so, so long. 
But the truth is that the people you need in your life will still be there. And if they aren't still there, then you really didn't need them to begin with, right? God puts people in our lives to help us through these kinds of situations. Um, and so I know that that's not easy because I did lose some relationships. I mean, the guy who had been my best friend from the ages of like 10 to 25, my best friend, a brother to me for 15 years of my life, really, we didn't have a relationship when it was all said and done. So that's hard. I don't mean to make it out like there might not be things that happen or relationships that you lose, but ultimately God will replace them or bring new people into your life that are better for you. And one thing that I struggled with that I think a lot of people struggle with with mental health is feeling alone, right? Feeling like you don't have people in your life or you don't have friends. Um, and that's incredibly difficult. But the good news is that you're in a good place if you're at Elevation, if you're listening to this, because this is a place where as someone who was struggling, like when I started at Elevation, it almost coincided exactly with when I started struggling. Not, I didn't struggle because of Elevation, to be clear. That's not what I'm trying to say, I promise. That's not the correlation there. Um, but so many people in this church, in this community, so many guys in this room rallied around me and helped me during that time. And like, if you feel like you don't have friends in your life, people to support you, I want you to know you got Jesus, you got me. You got Pastor Daniel, Pastor Gretchen. There are people here who want to be in your life, who want to help you through this time, who aren't scared of your struggles. We don't think it's because you don't love God enough, right? Like, we're here to help you. And, you know, Pastor Daniel talked about earlier how we're in, like, our last Sunday of Phil Month for small groups. I got involved at Elevation basically by joining a bowling small group, yeah. right? <laughs> It was like the least committal thing I thought that I could do, right? Like what's a way to get involved but have no responsibility? Bowling small group. <laughs> Little did I know that of like the 10 guys in that small group, Pastor Daniel was one of them. So God had other plans for my life, but guess what? There is a bowling small group this semester, right? Let's do it. Get signed up for bowling. I'm not sure if it's men only, so, but anyway. Um, so Elevation is a good place to be. Really get signed up for a small group, get involved here. There are people who can help you and love on you. And if you're someone who in the past or currently is helping to support and love someone who's struggling with their mental health, I want you to know that I know how hard that can be. I mean, personally, I'm not easy to love even on a good day. I'm definitely not easy to love when I'm struggling, right? But so many people really did the Lord's work in helping to support me and love me during that time. And so if that's you, you really are doing an incredible work. You don't know how much it means when you're struggling to just have someone who's there in your corner. Even if you're doing mental health checks, you're sending texts, your phone calls that aren't being picked up, you know, you're inviting people to things that they're not going to, all of that still matters so, so much. And I know it's hard to keep loving those people, but please, please keep doing it. Don't give up on those people in your lives. I mean, there's people in this room, my family, who, you know, I don't know if they thought I would ever get better, that I would ever pull out of it. I don't know if I did. But because of the love and support of so many people um, who just fought through that, like I was able to break through and God has been able to do an incredible work in my life. So thank you to you guys who are fighting that fight for me and for other people and just please continue to do that work. Um, so the people that you need in your life will still be there. And the third thing I wish I had known, which is a little bit more on a practical level, is that there's trial and error involved. When it comes to therapy, when it comes to medication, trying to get treatment for mental health struggles, it's not a perfect science. It's not a one-to-one. -one. 
I went back and tried to add up how many mental health professionals I've seen. And I think I've seen eight therapists, counselors, psychologists, and six psychiatrists, which is 14 total. And that doesn't include anyone I saw in the hospital where you're kind of seeing people more rapid fire. I didn't want to pad my stats like that, so I didn't count them. I just took them out entirely. So 14 medical health professionals, or mental health professionals I've seen, excuse me. And I think I got along well, you know, enjoyed my time with them, felt like they were really trying to help me, they were there for the right reasons, with three. Three of those 14 people. That's about a 20% success rate, which is better than what some people experience. And it's worse than some people experience, right? But in the same way that well, if you're like me, and I'm an introvert, and I don't like people that much, so I don't expect to make, like, to be best friends with everyone that I meet, right? You should kind of take that same stance as you go to get therapy or get counseling, right? You might not like the first person you meet, or the second person, or the third person, but you have to keep trying if you want to get to where God has you to be. And the same thing is kind of true with medication, at least for me. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, I'm not a pharmacist, so you know, just want to give that caveat out right there. But I have tried nine different medications for treatment for depression or anxiety. One of them I had some pretty serious negative side effects for. Three of them didn't really seem to do anything, and the other five had different uh, varying you know, ways of helping me and results with minimal to no side effects. So that's about a little over 50% of them helped me, right? But you've got to be willing to go through that trial and error if you want to find one that's going to help you. I mean, you might get it the first time, which is great. But your psychiatrist or your doctor is not going to be able to run a bunch of tests on you to figure out how your brain works and what your body needs, right? It's a little bit of trial and error. Like for me, the thing I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I struggle with is serotonin, that naturally my body produces low levels of serotonin. So the medication I've tried is trying to you know, raise those levels and balance that out. But there are some kind that try to help naturally boost your production, right? They try to increase what you can make on your own. And then there's other kinds that just kind of give you the serotonin straight. Um, but like my natural serotonin production is like a car that has three flat tires. And so increasing the levels to only have two flat tires, like you're still not going very fast. You're still not getting where you need to go, right? So I've had better success with the medication that just kind of gives me the serotonin rather than trying to naturally boost my production level. But I wouldn't have known any of that if I hadn't been on this years long journey of trying different stuff to figure out what would work. And so there's really a lot of trial and error involved with therapy and with medication. But the thing is, like if you've tried or you've made the decision to get help, that's a huge decision. It's an incredibly difficult one to come to, right? And so to go out and try therapy for the first time or to try medication for the first time and not have it go well is crushing. It's so defeating, right? You've made this big thing, you've got yourself up off the couch, you're like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna get better. And then you have a therapist Do you feel like it's just watching the clock or you take medicine that is negatively affecting other areas of your life, like that is so deflating and so crushing that so many people will just stop going to therapy, right? They'll say, I tried, it's just not for me, right? I've heard plenty of people say that, and I get that, I understand it. But you have to be willing to fight through that. I forgot to mention this earlier, but only one third of people who struggle with depression will seek treatment. And then I don't know what the percentage is of people that will quit after just trying one therapist or one medication, but I imagine it's pretty high. 
so many people out there need treatment and need to stay in treatment to get better and to get where God is trying to bring you to go. So stick with it. You know, I don't think you have to try a bad therapist forever, but you've got to be willing to give it a shot and try other ones. And also don't look for perfection. You're probably not going to find your best friend in therapist form, right? But find someone that's good for you, that's helping you and stick with it. Don't be afraid of giving it a little bit of trial and error. And then the fourth thing I wish I would have known is that God's not going to decide for you. I think as Christians, whether you struggle with your mental health or not, we often fall into this trap of thinking that God's going to make decisions for us, right? I think it's often described, and I've gone the same way of calling it what I'll call the open door principle, right? Where you're just waiting for God to open the right door. But really, there's probably multiple doors open, and you're just waiting for God to close all the other ones so that he really is making that decision for you right? But we know from the Bible and from history that God's not going to decide for us, right? We have to decide on our own. Don't get me wrong. God helps us. He leads us. He guides us. He does all of that stuff, but he's not going to decide for you. And like with your mental health, you're probably not in a romantic comedy movie, right? You're not in a rom-com. You're not going to have a mental health meet cute. You're not going to be walking down the street with all your mental health problems, bump into someone, they all spill on the ground. And as you're trying to put them up, put them back together again, the person you ran into is like, I'm a therapist, let me help you. And you skip off to therapy, right? You're not gonna have a mental health meet cute. It's not gonna happen. Or if it has happened to you, please tell me your story. We can write a screenplay, get a movie made and make a lot of money. I'm down for that. But you're probably not gonna have a mental health meet cute. You're gonna have to make that decision for yourself. But the good news is that God gives us everything we need to make those choices. In 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 2, in the message version of the Bible, and this was actually almost our series verse, the Bible says, our God gives you everything you need, makes you everything you're to be. Now there's kind of two main takeaways or ways to interpret the scripture that both I think are true. One is that God is the creator of all things. He's the giver of all good gifts. So everything we have, everything we are comes from God, right? That's certainly true. But I also believe that it's saying that God has given us everything we need. Everything we need, everything we're supposed to be is available to us through him. That doesn't mean we maybe know how to use it or know how to find it, but it's out there for us to take hold of. I believe that's true as we're making decisions about our mental health. And when God gives you everything you need, the rest is up to you, right? We can't rely on God making a decision for us when he's already given us everything we need to make that choice. And now, don't get me wrong, like, decision-making is hard in general. I think a lot of us just struggle to make decisions. It's particularly hard when you throw mental health struggles in the mix, whether that's depression or especially anxiety, right? It can be crippling to try to make choices, to decide to get help. But ultimately, we have to have that courage to make those choices. The last thing I wish I had known is to do whatever you have to do. Back when I was struggling, when I was in the midst of that depressive episode that led me to hospitalization, I was fortunate enough to have Pastor Daniel in my corner almost that whole time. And you know, he was counseling me, mentoring me, trying to help me through that time. And we were getting lunch one day, and this was two to three months into my episode. I think if Pastor was honest, he probably would have said that he felt like he had given me all the good stuff at that point, you know? He had given me all the answers, but yet I was still struggling. I was still asking the same questions. 
So he looked at me in the midst of lunch one day and just said, David, do whatever you have to do to get the enemy off of your back. And if I'm being totally honest, he said that and I forgot it almost immediately because I very rarely remember or notice profound things in my life when they're happening. But a month or two later, when I was struggling my worst, when I was trying to make the decision of whether I was going to go into the hospital or not, God brought that back to my memory. David, do whatever you have to do to get the enemy off of your back. It was that that kind of gave me the final push I needed to go ahead and do what I had to do to get the enemy off my back, which was get help in the hospital. And the thing is, so often as Christians, like our answer to how to get better is these small tweaks, right? We need to read the Bible. We need to pray. I need to serve or give. But there are certain times in our lives where bigger action is called for. And that's something in society that I know, like, we fantasize a little bit in movies and TV and books. But there's times that we're called to do that in our lives, too. And the Bible is chock full of stories like that, of people taking big, decisive action and being rewarded for it or getting what they need from God because of it. You know, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible is told in Mark 2 and in Luke 5. It's the story of the man who's paralyzed. He's with his friends, and his friends are trying to get him to Jesus, but the crowd's too big. They can't make it to Jesus. And so they don't take no for an answer, and they actually go and they pull the roof off of this building that Jesus is in, and they lower him down in front of Jesus, which is a bold move. It is a bold move to deface property. It's a bold move to tear off a roof that Jesus was in. What if the roof fell on Jesus? Like, you don't know what's going to happen, right? But these men were bold, and they lowered him in front of Jesus, and Jesus healed him because of his courage and because of his faith. And then God pulled the most do-whatever-you-have-to-do move of all time when he sent Jesus down to earth, right? God did what he had to do to help us find freedom and victory over the enemy when his son sent his son Jesus down to earth. I mean, John 3.16, we've all heard it and know it well. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, right? If God is willing to send his son Jesus down to earth so that we can have victory, so that we can have success, so that we can put the enemy behind us, what are we waiting for to get help, right? If God was willing to do that, what are we waiting for? So on behalf of pastor, me, God, whoever, do whatever you have to do to get the enemy off of your back, right? God has an incredible plan for your life. Your mental health struggles are not your whole story. That's not where God ends things with you. He has an incredible plan for your life, but to get there, to get to the point where God can begin to light up your darkness and your gloom, you might be ha- have to be willing to do some stuff that might seem a little crazy, right? I did not know what was on the other side of the hospital for me. I was desperate, and that's why I ended up there. It wasn't part of some grand plan or some hope I had for my life. It was out of desperation. But if we can see those things coming a little bit, if you guys can learn a little bit from what I went through, do whatever you have to do now to get the enemy off of your back. And God isn't going to decide for you. There's trial and error involved. But the people you need in your life will still be there. And mental health affects everything. 
Here at Elevation, we believe in next steps. We believe that there's next steps for all of us, regardless of where you're at in your walk with God. If you're a new believer or you're a seasoned vet, I believe that that's true for those of us who struggle with mental health. There's always other things that God is calling us to do, the next step that we can take to get out of the darkness and into the light. For you, that might be hospitalization like it was for me. You could be on the other side of things too and just need to share your story to help someone else. Could be that you need to try medication or therapy for the first time, or maybe you've never even talked to anyone, a friend, a loved one. You've never shared the struggle or what's going on inside of you. That's a big step too. That's a big next step. That's something that can be doing what you have to do to get the enemy off of your back. So as we end this series this week, I want to encourage you to take your next step with God. Do whatever you have to do, and God will be there with you through it. We'll have your back as Elevation Church, right? You're in a good place. Have the courage and the hope that it takes to get better. Now, as we finish up the series, I do want to take one last moment just to pray for everyone. If you're struggling with your mental health, if you've been in some of those dark places, whether you're there now or it's in the past, I just want to have this opportunity that I'm so thankful for to get to pray for you guys. So will everyone join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we love you. Thank you for all that you are, God. Thank you for being with us, even in the good times, in the bad times, even when we don't know that you're there and you're working, Lord. God, I just pray for all of my friends who are here today who are listening to this, who maybe are struggling with their mental health, Lord. I pray that you would just bring light into their darkness in Jesus' name. Lord, we rebuke the enemy. Say, Satan, you have no hold on these people, on God's people. In Jesus' name, you would bring light into their darkness, Lord, that you would give them the courage and strength that they need to get better, to do whatever they have to do to get the enemy off of their back and find victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, I realize there might be some of you here today who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who don't know God as your father, as your creator. And I don't want this opportunity to go past without giving you the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God, because the truth is that he is desperately, madly in love with you. So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins and be resurrected so that you can have victory, so that you can have salvation, and so that you can know God. So if that's you today, the great news is that it's not a hard thing. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, or maybe just re-up and say, I'm all in with you, God, repeat this prayer after me. In elevation, nobody prays alone here. So let's all pray. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Would you come into my life and transform me from the inside out? I want to know you for all the rest of my days. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you guys join me in celebrating all those who made a decision to follow Christ today? Good job, everybody. We really believe you just made the most important decision in your life to follow Jesus. We're so proud of you. 
Now, as we go into this final song here today, I just want to encourage you to put an exclamation point, put a stamp or a seal on whatever God has been working in you. Whatever that next step is that you feel in your heart that you're supposed to take, commit to doing that with the Lord. Would you guys stand and join me as we sing?